The gospel is not about copying Jesus. It's a matter of birth. God giving you a new life. Giving birth to a new life. You know, if you copy somebody, it's just a copy. It's not the real thing. But God will give birth to that new life. And that's what it is about. And then there was this, I think we, in three hours or five hours, we had 150 comments on that. Thing. So, <clears throat> yeah, well, 180, 190 comments. So, yeah, we, so I wrote there. So the one guy said, man, you know, most people just don't want to work. We must work for Jesus. Isn't this a work? And I said to them, man, God works in us. You know, and then the work He does, it's through us, and then we do things. So He says, so you agree with doing things. I, I said, let me explain you how this work is. It's like making love to your wife. I mean, technically, it's work. <laughs> but it's not work at all. Amen. <clears throat> do you understand? What, what did they say? I mean, that... I, who doesn't understand? What? What person doesn't understand that? You see, men, many people are blushing. But I'm think they, yeah, maybe in that area. They, but that's exactly what it is. You know, it's it's work, but it's not work because love takes the work away. And that's exactly it. I mean, we can go to Zambia, we can preach the gospel, we can spend all our money and time in sharing the gospel, we can do anything, you know, where people look at the outside and say, but these guys are working hard, but it's not work. Because love took the work out of the work. And it's a life that's born in us. And that's what the gospel is all about. The gospel is about experiencing so much love that that love gives birth to the new life. Amen. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to talk on, uh, this is the second session in, uh, on, on the judgment of God. Okay, so let's go again to Exodus 28. Exodus 28. You say, Bertie, it just went so well, now talking about the judgment of God. I tell you, I think this is one of the awesome, most awesome messages you know, that I've, that I've been studying out. <clears throat> now, if you haven't been here, here last time I preached, uh, you need to get the message from the website or just order it. Um, otherwise, you... But I will recap a little bit on this and what the judgment of God is. <clears throat> Without the judgment of God, we cannot live. God's judgment is unto life. <clears throat> we, we need to realize that. God's judgment is not unto your destruction. God's judgment is unto life. And we must realize the word judgment is not the word condemn. Uh, judgment, if we look in a legal term, the word judge means to make a decision about some, somebody or something. Now God came and He judged, the Bible says He condemned sin in the flesh, in Romans 8. <clears throat> so He made a judgment against sin and then ruled against sin. So sin was saying, listen, I want a right to work in people. The devil came through the law system of works righteousness, and he said, I want a right to destroy people's lives. I want a right to manifest, I want the right for the flesh to manifest sin and destruction in people. That's what the law said. Then God came in Jesus Christ, and he judged that appeal and then condemned it okay he ruled against it so that it does not have the right to do that in us that is basically the judgment of God it's like um, you standing in front of a, a jury or in front of a judge and there's somebody that says listen we want to lock him up because he's done this 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 and this if you know the judge is for you, you want to be judged by him. Amen. You want to be judged by him. It's like when I was in Douglas. What happened to me one day, there was, <clears throat> I had this um, very poisonous poison that we used on cabbage. And uh, then, I mean, we were, um, this stuff, you get like one granule in 
and you, you will walk from here to that door and you'll die. It's really like that. It is very, very poisonous. So the people were working, now I had 15 people working for me, and they were taking the stuff, putting it in the ground. You know, now this breaks down in 30 days in the plant. So if, if it goes into the plant and an animal eats that plant, it's going to die. And you get that in your carrots, you get that in most of the stuff. You get that stuff. Now, it, it breaks down in 30 days, otherwise you will, not, you will die when you eat it. So we were working with the stuff. I put this, now, this is so poisonous, you must lock it up in like a safe. So we were working and we were over time and whatever. I said to people, put it in the back of my car. I will put it in my garage on the higher shelf. And then on Monday, we can go and lock it up because it's already late now. So we did that. Monday came and went, you know. And the week after that, I said, listen, let's clean out, let's just clean out this whole garage and take this poison and stuff and, and um, go and lock it up. So as they were doing that, <clears throat> in this bag <clears throat> where we had this stuff, there was also a bag of sugar. This sugar we use um, to mix it with another poison that you put on watermelons, you know, in this insecticide thing. So that they go after the sugar and then they get this stuff in and they die. You know, if, don't look at me like that. If it wasn't for that, you never ate watermelons. <laughs> <coughs> <laughs> hey brother please keep coming to this church <clears throat> so, so anyway so the people came to my wife and said listen this is sugar this is sugar that's left over they gave it to Eliana that we can use in the house so she said where did you get the sugar she says no it's there from the poison she says we can't use the sugar put it back they went and they stole the sugar. They ate the sugar. And four of them almost died. They, <clears throat> I went from there. I'm five k's from the hospital. I went at 180. I first said to them, let's first pray. Because I know if you get it in, you die from here to there. I said, let's pray. We prayed. I put them in the car. I went at 180 kilometers per hour. Stopped. No stop street. No nothing. Went to the hospital. When I came there, they couldn't walk. They were already like paralyzed. And they vomited black stuff. Four men. Now, that town is high in racism. The whites hate the blacks and the blacks hate the whites. And I will be charged with attempted murder. Okay? So when that happened, I was anyway, on, that happened and after I had to go to Cape, Cape Town to come and preach down here. So I drove down, the police phoned me. And said, so where are you? I said, because this case was opened, you know, against me. I said, I'm on my way to Cape Town. I said, no, no, I must report at the closest police station or come back. I said, I'm not going to do any of that. I said, I'm going to preach here, and then I'm gonna, I'll be back on Monday. And then we can sort this thing out. In the meantime, I had my lawyer and the whole thing. It was a massive thing. Now, to get to judgment, that's what happened. You want... I, I didn't want to appear in that town before a black judge because I'm a white farmer. It's not going to work, you know. It's not going to work. I would want somebody that would be for me that would judge a righteous judgment because I didn't poison them. They could charge me with negligence or whatever, it's, but I did not poison them. We told them not to eat it. They stole it. But these other guys would not. Now, thank God for South Africa. So another guy saw that thing, you know, uh, um, uh, uh, some inspector. And he saw this guy is Brits, you know, Bertie Brits. So he must be a farmer. So he said, I see you've got a lot of work on your table. Can't I help you to do some of the work? The guy said, yes. He said, he took the half of the pack and mine was on top. And then he organized <laughs> that I was found not guilty and that I only got a disciplinary thing on and they taught me how to work with poison and stuff. I could have been in jail today, still today with that thing. So if you sit in front of a judge, you want him to judge a righteous judgment and his judgment can bless you or his judgment can be unto condemnation.
Now, when the Bible talks about the judgment of God, His judgment is unto your life. So we never, ever have to be afraid of the judgment of God. Never. We are not afraid in the day of judgment. For we know as He is, so are we. God has got a certain judgment about your life. That judgment is the way He makes His decision. He takes all the facts of your life from the beginning until the end and He includes Jesus who obeyed on your behalf, who died on your behalf, who was resurrected on your behalf in His decision making about your life. And then He comes with the answer or His judgment and He pronounces your righteousness over you out of His judgment. And that is true about every person. Isn't that awesome? That is the gospel. Okay, so just with that as a foundation, the judgment of God is something you want. The judgment of God is something you need. The judgment of God is which you want every day to hear over your life. You want to be judged by God. David says, Oh God, judge me that I can be free. Amen. That's what David says. Judge me that I can be free. It's like if you sit with pain in your body or cancer or whatever, you want to say, you want to shout out, I want the judgment of God over me. Judge my body, O God. And speak your, your judgment over me. Speak your answer. Because when, when God judges you and He speaks His answer, then the government must see that that happens. Okay, now God spoke his judgment in God, God judged mankind in Christ and spoke out the judgment 2,000 years ago. And what we do today is we say, I make use of this judgment unto life, unto healing, unto prosperity, unto peace, doesn't matter what. You know, I just prayed for a lady with the name Erica, who um, she's 72 and her leg is being amputated. Is it tomorrow? Okay. Now, I mean, they're going to do this up. She's going to be without a leg. But thank God that God's judgments, God decided that man can have peace and joy free from his situation. That's God's judgment. He judged that and He empowers us by the Holy Spirit to have that. Amen. And that's why we can always walk in peace. Right. Let's read this verse in Exodus. Uh, 28 verse 30 it says <clears throat> where's 30 now and you shall put in the breastplate of judgment the Urim and the Thummim and they shall be upon Aaron's heart when he goes before the Lord and Aaron shall bear uh, uh, um, so, and Aaron shall bear the judgment of the children of Israel upon his heart before the Lord continually now the breastplate that the high priest had was called the plate of judgment. Okay? He said, you will put the Urim and the Thummim, now last week I, I went in depth into that, into that breastplate. That Urim and Thummim, the, the word Urim, we pronounce it as Urim, but it actually starts with an A. Thummim starts with the T, which is the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Urim starts with an A. Aleph and Tav, Alpha, Omega, <clears throat> talking about Jesus. So what he says is you, you'll put Jesus in the judgment plate that's upon Aaron's heart. <clears throat> so that whenever, because he, he represents, I mean he represents us. But God said there will be no judgment made about us outside of Jesus. Put Jesus in the judgment plate and put it upon the heart of Aaron. What does it mean? Here comes Jesus. He represents the high priest. All those things speak about Jesus anyway. <clears throat> Here comes Jesus as the high priest, talking about us. What's upon the heart of Jesus? His sacrifice is upon the heart of Jesus. So whenever God makes a decision, He's going to make a decision and He's going to make a judgment about your life based on the Alpha and the Omega. Based on Jesus Christ, based on the finished work, is God's judgment about your life. Okay? So when God judges, He's going to judge a righteous judgment in Jesus. The end would be 
you are innocent. <clears throat> That's the judgment of God. He came to judge. Jesus Christ said He came to judge. Now we're going to see how that works. Right. Um, that, a very important thing that I want to talk about here is that Urim. <clears throat> that word Urim is the word light or fire. Okay? Now, <clears throat> the Bible says when God comes, He will come, come in fire. And that fire will burn up all the elements. Okay? That word elements in Peter, where it talks about when Jesus comes, He will burn up all the elements. That word elements in, in, in the Greek means laws or basic principles of this world. This fire, the fire talks about, Aleph talks about Jesus. Jesus will come with the fire of God, for He's the fire of God. I'm going to prove that to you now. He's going to come and He will burn up the basic principles by which this world functions, which is do good, get good, do bad, get bad. He will burn it up, for He is the judgment of God. He judged us unto life, and He judged the law system as a system not needed anymore. Okay, so if you are in the law <laughs> and you believe in works righteousness and the message of grace comes, it will feel as if it's consuming your whole life and burning you up. You will not want it because it will hurt you. It will be painful to you because it will tell you all the big, big things you've done for God thinking that you're righteous by those things are not needed anymore. And you'll feel that pain of, well, I was deceived. You know, it will, it will hurt. For the Bible says God is a consuming fire. Not consuming you. <laughs> consuming what kills you. Amen. So you'll put the fire. Now remember the, the Urim is the word f fire or light. And the Thummim is the word innocence. Okay. You'll put the fire of innocence upon the breastplate of judgment. So what is God's judgment? God's judgment is how He burns up that which makes you guilty so that you can stand innocent before Him. Hallelujah. Now if you don't like that, I tell you, God likes it and I like it. <laughs> Amen. That's good news, man. <clears throat> now, with that in mind, let's go to John 5, verse 22. We can put the aircon on then. Okay, 5.22. Um, let's read from verse 21. For as the Father raises up the dead and quickens them, even so the Son quickens whom He will. For the Father judges no man, but has committed all judgment unto the Son. <coughs> that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth the Son, honors, uh, he, he that honors not the Son, honors not the Father, which has sent Him. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that hears my word, and believe on him that sent me, has everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but has passed from death to life, Verily I say unto you, the hour is coming and is now, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they shall live. I want to just read up to verse 30. For as the Father has life in Himself, so has He given to the Son to have life in Himself, and has given Him authority to execute judgment also, because He is the Son of Man. Now that is a very important verse. He says, Jesus has the authority to make a decision on behalf of man because he's a man. Now what does that mean? What gives Jesus the ability to make a decision on your behalf was the fact that he became a human being. When Adam made the decision about mankind, he could do it because he was the first human. And when he decided, he decided for everybody. Then God became a human. 
so that this human can now decide for everybody. So he says, I can make a judgment about every man for I am a human being. And this is my judgment that I will raise people from the dead. And whosoever believes in me has passed from death to life. That is his judgment. That's God's judgment about you. That is the judgment that many people so feared. They didn't know. Oh, I'm so scared. Listen, God's judgment is that you can now, because of Jesus, believe and live. That is the judgment of God. The judgment of God is that you can be healed. The judgment of God is that you can have peace today. The judgment of God is that if you, when you believe in Jesus, there's no more condemnation for you. That is the judgment of God. Now listen to this. He says, verse 28, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in, in the which I... All that are in the grave shall hear his voice, and shall come forth they which have done good unto resurrection of life, and they which have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Next Sunday I'm going to explain that. I, uh, I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge. Now listen to this. That is an awesome verse. He says, <clears throat> now Jesus says, I only do what I see my Father do. So Jesus says, I hear, I see what the Father does. Then I do it. But everything I do is a judgment of people. So, when He obeyed, God judges me as innocent. When Jesus died, God's judgment towards me is revealed. Telling, you have already died now. When Jesus rose again to live not by law, but only by the Spirit... A judgment is made towards me. Amen. Good way to explain it. If a president of one country goes to another country, whatever he hears, he, he can phone his cabinet and whatever, whatever he hears and does is a judgment about that nation he, uh, that he comes from in this nation. So, if the president of South Africa goes to uh, China, Whatever he does, judges us. Okay. As he hears and does. He's got advisors. These advisors tell him what to do. As he does what they say, it is a judgment about us. That judgment can be they are good people, or that judgment can be they are bad people. Jesus says, as I hear, I judge. The Father judges no one, he says, but is given all judgment unto Jesus. And now what Jesus does is God's judgment about us. Amen. And what did he come to do? He came to serve you. He came to give his life to you. He came to set you free from bondage and condemnation and damnation and everything that's bad. He came to set you free from the power of the flesh ruling your life. His judgment was so powerful that you could no more be bound by the things that you were bound for so many years. Because God has judged you unto life. Listen, if you look at Jesus, and you look at how He lived, and what He's done, that is a judgment about your life. Amen. That is a judgment about your life. He's judged us unto life. Now, um, I do believe that there is a thing like rejecting Christ. And next Sunday I'm going to talk about that judgment, like he talks about the resurrection of those that will be unto life and those that will be unto death. I will explain that and, and my view on hell, what, what that is, and how that works. If you don't want to go there. Right. <clears throat> okay. But thank God that, that God that we can stand in the judgment of God. You know, if, some, if you are not guilty, you want somebody to judge you. You want to go to the magistrate. You want to be judged by that court. Because that will empower the truth about your life in your life. So we want to stand. We want to be judged by God. Amen. We're not afraid. We welcome. We thank God for judgment. Listen, man. That's why it says we shall not be afraid even in the day of judgment. Right, let's go to the next verse. And we're going to get a little bit deeper into this.
Um, remember what it says, even Leviticus 8 verse 8, you shall put the Urim and the Thummim, you shall put the light of innocence in the, in the breastplate of the high priest. That will be upon the heart of the high priest. Heart speaks of belief. What does it speak of? It speaks of God believes in judging you unto innocence. That's the belief from where God functions. That's how He is. And we can either accept that now or later. But it is the truth. And it's never going to change. The greatest people with the most money, with the biggest churches can disagree. It doesn't matter. They will, they will just bow their knee eventually and call Jesus Lord. Amen. Where He ruled over condemnation. Where He ruled over negative judgment. Where He ruled over the power of the flesh which is where you empowered out of a, a, a works mentality. He ruled over all those things. Amen. And they will confess Jesus as Lord. You'll have to. Amen. So, this is God's truth. Right, let's go to um, John 9, verse 39. Jylle is verskrikkelijk stil. Verstaan jylle? Amen. It says in verse 39, And Jesus said, For judgment... I am come into this world, that they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words, and they said unto him, Are we blind also? And Jesus said unto them, If you were blind, you should have no sin. But now you say we see, therefore your sin remains. That is an awesome verse. That thing makes me happy. Jesus said, <clears throat> Jesus said, I have come for a judgment. Now listen to what is the judgment. The Pharisees, he says, this is the judgment that those that say they see, that they might be made blind. And those that are blind, that they can say, we see. So in other words, your revelation which says, we see the way, will all of a sudden become darkness. That will not be the way anymore. And the people that saw not the way, okay, their way will be called the light. Which is com completely opposite to what the Pharisees believed. The Pharisees said, Lord, are we blind also? He said, if you were blind, you would have had no sin. So when God comes and He brings His judgment, this is His judgment. If you don't see, you will have no sin. What does that mean? The Pharisees said, the context here is Pharisees, the Pharisees said, we see the way unto righteousness, it's obedience to the law. Jesus said, because you see, your sin remains. But I have come to bring a judgment that those that see might be made blind. In other words, that you will not see the law as a way unto righteousness anymore so that your sin can be removed. So what is the foundation of sin and guilt? The law works righteousness. Jesus came to bring a judgment. And He judged. This is His judgment. He says there, I mean this is written in red. He says, for judgment I've come. It said, let me read it again. It says, um, that's also a good verse man. I'm the light of the world. I can also preach about that one. Okay. <laughs> I'm the light. I'm the Urim of the world. I'm the fire that enlightens the world because the world was in darkness. Amen. Is that when he talks about the baptism? I came to baptize with water and fire. That's now it. You to be with fire. Can't you wait until I preach Sorry? Acts 2? <laughs> my goodness. To get my notes here. She's checking my notes and sounding wise here in front. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting there. Stealing your fire. Yeah, I stole the fire now. Okay. But people forget message so quickly by the time I get there, already forgotten there. Right, people ask me, listen, where did you preach that? You know, that was like somewhere in the 500 messages I preached. I don't know. I don't know. That's why I listen to my own messages. 
Right, uh, John 9, let me read it again. For judgment I came into this world, that they which see, that they which under the law, might lose their sight. In other words, they might say, I don't see anymore. That that might not be your vision anymore. Why? So that you will not have any sin. So he says, I am the fire, or the judgment, the urim, unto innocence, thumum. Okay? Or purity, or clean, to be clean. So he says, I have come to bring judgment, so that your sin might be removed. God's judgment takes away the law, which renders you innocent. That is the judgment of God. Who doesn't want to be judged by God? It's the most wonderful thing, to be judged by God. Let's go to, uh, let's read it on to verse 4. It says here again, verse 41, If you were blind, you would have had no sin. But now you say, we see, therefore your sin remains. That means Jesus can come and take away your sin. Okay? If you continue in the law, your sin remains. And the consequences of that thing still destroys your life. It's as good as if He never came. So listen, we cannot take the grace message lightly. You know, there's a, there's a lady in America, she started to uh, listen to my stuff. And recently, she, and not that I want to advocate my stuff. I'm talking about the gospel. And then she said she's going to listen to nothing else but the gospel of grace. Nothing, nothing. If there's any works righteousness, any law kind of a message, she will not listen. She's not going to tolerate it at all. She's going to only focus on grace. Her body got healed. She, 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 uh, 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 her life is touched. You can just, all the testimony she gives is just of absolute joy and peace, effortless. There's an, because the judgment of God is on her life and she stands under that judgment. You know what? You, a judge can go, for, for instance, and he can say, listen, I judge this way. You know, this is what should happen. It's not to say that's going to happen. You must make use of what he said. And you must make use of the authority by which he judged. And say, I make use of the government and I make use of this rulership and I'm making use of it. I shall have this. You know, this is mine. It's like a, 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 somebody gets divorced. They're in front of the court. The, the, the judge says, no, the children goes to this person and this guy must pay so much money. Do you think he's going to pay? He might pay. But if he doesn't pay, what are you going to do? You're going to make use of the judgment and say, I allow this judgment to have its way in my life that I can get my money. In the very same way with the gospel of grace. Jesus judged us unto innocence and we're making use of that judgment and its manifestation through faith. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Right, now, let's go to uh, Ezekiel. See, I wrote down another verse there. Let's just quickly go there. John 16, 11. Oh yeah, about judgment there. This is a nice one. <clears throat> it says, talks about the Holy Spirit. It says, and when He has come, He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not in Me. So God came and He judged. He says, sin is not when you do something wrong. Sin is when you don't believe. That's God's new judgment. Okay. Of sin, because they have not believed, they have not rest their mind in what I've done for them. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. So why are we righteous? Because He went to the Father. Amen. Of judgment, because the Prince of this world is judged. Isn't that awesome? What was the prince of this world? It was the ruler of this world. Go read 2 Corinthians 4. It talks about the law system as the prince of the power of the air. There's been a judgment against that system, which says you have no rulership over man anymore. Jesus is the Lord. Hallelujah. He will. What's the job of the Holy Spirit? To tell you how that old system has been judged. And how God judged us unto life. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Right. One more verse. Let's go to Ezekiel 1. 
talking about the glory of God. Verse 26. It says, And above the firmament that was over their heads was the likeness of a throne. Talks about Ezekiel sees a vision of the throne of God. And the appearance of sapphire stone. And upon it the likeness um, and upon the likeness of the throne was the likeness of the appearance of a man above upon it. Okay, here's the throne of God, talking about the rulership of God. What does he see on that throne? He sees a man. He sees a man. Meaning, that talking prophetically about Jesus becoming a man. There's a rainbow around the throne. Why? The rainbow talks about, talks about the covenant he made with us. That, we, that he's not going to kill us like in the flood, but that He will never be angry with you, nor threaten you. Isaiah 54 verse 9. Okay, talking about that. Right. Remember it says there, as in the days of Noah, is it for me, as I have sworn that the waters of Noah will not cover the earth, so have I sworn that I will not be angry with you, neither threaten you. That word rebuke is actually with threaten. I will not threaten you. Okay, that's the, and the rainbow was the sign. Here he sees the throne with a rainbow around it. The covenant where God will not be angry with you or threaten you. God is seated on a throne of not being angry or threatening us. And what he saw on the throne was a man. Why? Because he became a man representing us. And that man was in the place of rulership now. Because of God's covenant. Right, listen to this. The likeness of the appearance of a man above upon it. And I saw as the color of amber, as the appearance of fire. That fire is also uh, 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 Urim. The word Urim is used as Urim there. Many other places it's translated as the word fire. Okay. And I saw a fire round about within it from the appearance of his loins even downward and from the appearance of his loins even uh, 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 sorry, upward and from the loins downward, I saw as it were the appearance of fire and he had brightness uh, round about as the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud in the day of rain. So what he says here is, this fire shines in the colors of the rainbow. In other words, this fire, now God says he will judge with fire. So when God, who is this judgment? This judgment is in the, in the form of a man. Jesus says, all judgment has been given unto me. My judgment is to take away the law and declare you innocent. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God, man. Thank you, Jesus. It, it, this is not, listen, this is not a thing where God decided, well, I'm not angry with you. So uh, maybe tomorrow I'm angry when you do something wrong. You know, I'll see about it. I'll see how I feel tomorrow. We're talking about the very being of God. He is not, the Bible didn't say he was stone from the loins up and a fire from the loins down. No, no, no. His whole being, stone talk about the law. His whole being is, in his whole essence, he shines forth the covenant of that rainbow. So his judgment is unto that rainbow. His judgment is unto your innocence. Glory to God. And then this man was upon the throne. This man became flesh. And listen to what it says if you read on there. I'm not going to read on it. It says, and this was the appearance of the glory of God. So I saw this fire. I saw this rainbow. In other words, I saw the Urim. I saw the fire of God unto my innocence shining in the lights of the color of the rainbow, which is the covenant He made that He will not be angry or threaten us. And that is the glory of God. John 1, 14, And we beheld His glory full of grace and truth. <laughs> Hallelujah! The, the fire of God, the fiery judgment of God is the message of grace. The word truth means, the Bible says the true worshippers will worship in spirit and in truth. Okay, then it says, talks about spirit. You know, come in verse 23, uh, uh, 
Hebrews 10, you come with a true heart, you know, you come with a true heart and no consciousness of sin. So, spirit, the true worship will worship in spirit, the basic, the word spirit also means a basic principle animated. In other words, the principle of Christ in the spirit and in truth, no consciousness of sin. So here, here we saw the glory of God, full of grace and no consciousness of sin. We saw the glory of God, which was in that breastplate, the Urim and the Thummim. We see the light of innocence, the grace, the fire of God, and no, truth, no consciousness of sin. Urim and the Thummim, which was in the judgment plate, it was carried upon the high priest's heart. It doesn't even say on his chest. It says on his heart. Talking about the belief of God. Amen. Why can't we just believe what God believes, man? This is the good news. And we beheld His glory. Matthew 3.10. Let's go there quickly. I'm going to read three more verses. We didn't sing, man. So we've got more time. Matthew 3.10 We're about to break out of song. Hallelujah, man. Matthew 3.10 Now listen to what John the Baptist preached. He says, and, and now also the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which brings not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that comes after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with an unquenchable fire. Okay, now what is the chaff and what is... You know the chaff, if you, if, you, if you look at wheat, the chaff first forms, okay? That's the first part. Then the seed is inside that. What do you do when you harvest? You take the seed, which is valuable, and you take that chaff and you burn it or throw it away. The chaff was the law system, okay? Which is not needed anymore. And... The whole thing, this is, this, this is what John the Baptist tried to explain. The law came first, then the message of grace. And now, when the judgment fire of God comes, He burns away the chaff and leaves the wheat, which is the message of grace that the law burns away. Condemnation, judgment, works righteousness. You're not worthy, you don't qualify. Ten steps to do this again. Burns away in the judgment of God. He says, every tree... That doesn't bear good fruit, you will cut it down. He says to the Pharisees, he says, listen, I want to tell you, God, you think you can boast because you're the children of Abraham. Okay? Physical descendants of Abraham. He already talks about the fire of God. He says, God can take stones and make children of Abraham. Burning away the whole doctrine of, I'm a physical descendant of Abraham, I'm a Jew, therefore I'm righteous before God. The fire of God judged against that teaching and burnt it. He says, bear good fruit. And then if you as an individual cannot bear any good fruit, your tree of your righteousness will any way be cut down and burnt in the fire as well. So that means nothing. So all the trees will be burned down. Then the Bible says, out of the root of the stem of Jesse came a tender plant. His name is Jesus. And there's one tree now called the tree of life, Jesus Christ. So we don't have our own trees of righteousness where we try and grow ourselves. He burnt it all down in His judgment. He burnt down Moses. He burnt down uh, uh, all the law, Old Testament law things. He burnt it all down in His judgment. Amen. So that we can stand today. I, call, I, I, I titled it here, I said, The Urim Man. Jesus. Amen. Right. Let's read one more. <clears throat> okay, Acts 2. Acts 2, 3, as you can. It says, And they waited in the upper room. When the Holy Spirit was poured out, what happened? The Bible says there, they were all filled with the Spirit. And tongues as of fire came on them. I, I, I started with tongues. 
it says languages. Now this is awesome. <laughs> a language or speaking of fire came on every man. What does that mean? And the Bible says, and then they went and they spoke and everyone heard the good things of God in their own language. So, the judgment, the, the, the teaching of God's judgment came upon them. The enablement of God to speak how God judged the old system away unto our life came upon every man. This is the question that I ask many preachers. Are you baptized in fire, my friend? Are you baptized in the Urim? Are you baptized in the message that's burned away guilt and condemnation? Or will you be burnt by that message? Because that's God's message. That's God's voice. God's voice. He says His scepter is a scepter of righteousness. And He will bash to pieces all these other doctrines. That bring the doctrines of your acceptance and how wonderful and righteous you are before God. God loves you. Hallelujah. Let's end off. Now you know what it is to be baptized with fire. You're baptized in the doctrine of the judgment unto innocence. Of how God judged you. Jesus says, Jesus says, every man shall be salted. I didn't have time to do, do all that. Every man shall be salted with fire. He says, be ye then salt. <laughs> every person shall be salted, preserved with fire. Now, if salt has lost its saltiness, talks to the Jewish people. What does that mean? You've lost through the law your ability to declare the gospel and what was to come. How shall it be salted? Only by fire. When the judgment of God comes, we can be resalted by Christ. Because we were trampled underfoot. And he says it's good that we all, every man, will be salted with fire. Now it says, it clearly says, it says, make sure that when people ask you that your words are full of grace and salt. So we talk about the grace and how God judged the old system. Okay, how He judged that in His fire. Amen. That fire is the very glory of God. It is grace and truth. Make sure your words are always filled with how much God loves people, how much God cares for people, how you are declared innocent by Jesus. 1 Corinthians 3.15, we end off with this. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 13. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because... It shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he has built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burnt, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet as by fire. Know ye not that, um, that you are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man defiles the temple of God... Him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Now what does that mean? It sounds so harsh. It sounds so scary. The, the, the context of 1 Corinthians 3 is preachers preaching different doctrines. And then he says, you cannot build anything as you like. You should build on the foundation, which is Jesus. Okay? And then take care how you build. Do you build with gold, silver, or precious stones? Remember that, that thing was made out of gold, silver, and precious stones, the whole thing there? Do you build with the divine redemption of the church doctrine? Or do you build, build with hay, wood, and stubble? Hay, I said it last time. Measuring reed, do you always measure up? Wood, 
talk about bondage. Stubble talks about a feeding enclosure, which was the law system. Only these people can eat there. Okay? Because when the fire of God comes, it will burn up the hay, the wood, and the stubble. It will burn up the doctrine of, do you measure up? The doctrine of bondage and the doctrine of only for the Jews. It will burn it all up. The person who mixed these Gospels, talking about the preachers, they will be saved, but their work will be destroyed by God. Because they are defiling the temple of God. They are defiling the temple of God by their wrong doctrines. People, I tell you, this gospel is immeasurable. It's too big. What the last stick you know? Okay. It says there that don't you know you are the temple of God and they which defile the temple of God, God will destroy. So it, it, and then in the context of it, it talks about their wrong doctrines. When the fire of God comes, when the message of grace is preached, it will destroy their work. It will destroy their work. It will declare the fire of God's judgment. The, the judgment unto innocence will destroy their work because they said you're guilty. You should do this. You should do this. You should do this. Come back to money again. You should tithe to be blessed. Listen, man. Every person that preaches you should tithe to be blessed. If it's not in this life, when Christ comes, that doctrine will be burnt up in the love of God as a nothing, worthless message destroying people's life seen as the chaff and not the seed when he gathers his seed and burns the chaff and that process is now the Bible says the judgment of God starts with the house of God we are seeing we are being purified in our minds by the fire of God the Bible says in Peter it says you have cleansed your souls by obeying the gospel You've cleansed your belief. You've cleansed the way you think by believing in Jesus. When you believe in Jesus, you are cleansed. Dirt and filthiness is measured in what you believe. Not in what you do, in what you believe. What you believe determines what you do. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I want to thank you. <clears throat> These things are so deep. It's so awesome. It's, it's wonderful to see our innocence. It's wonderful to see the power by which we live in this world. Thank you, Lord. We reign in life through Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. When we look into your throne, we know it's a throne of grace where we see a man burning with fire, from the loins up and from the loins down. Around him is brightness as the, the, the rainbow. Thank you, Lord, speaking of who you are and speaking of us. Speaking of our standing before you. Speaking of how you judged us with fire. Thank you, Lord, that you came and purged us with fire. By burning away every law, judgment, system, condemnation system and leaving us pure with a message of we've been divinely redeemed by Jesus, not by our works. And thank you, Lord, that that gospel brings such a manifestation of a holy life, such a manifestation of freedom from devils, freedom from bondage. We are set free for your fire purges our belief. It sets us free in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. We receive this. Let's pray this together. Let's say, just say to the Lord, Lord, I receive. I am judged. I am righteous because of your judgment. Hallelujah. Just experience the peace of God. man. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, if you've never received Jesus as your Lord, 
In other words, if you've never received the gospel of grace, and you want to receive the gospel of grace, make use of it right now. I don't have to call you forward or anything. Don't let this opportunity go past and say, this has just been another church service. Say, I make use. And as from today, I yield my members to the truth. And you'll see Him giving birth to a new life in you. It will not be you copying God. Thank you. Just receive it. I know there are people here that receive this for the first time. Just receive it. Receive means to make use. Make use of this now. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen, amen. If there's anybody that needs prayer, I'll be here praying for you. Otherwise, thank you so much. Don't forget the clothes. Um, the, uh, uh, the clothes for the, if you've got anything, it will be wonderful. Just bring it in some bags or whatever next Sunday. And then um, those of you that want to give, it's as you feel in your heart. Uh, the box is on the table in the back. Uh, please order the CD. If there's somebody that needs this, order it that we can send it to them. You know, we'll give it to you that you can give it to them. Thank you so much. God bless you guys. I've been wondering how to say it because this is like a long story. But um, the, the company that I'm working at, I've been there now nine years. Now that's the longest I've ever worked at any place. Now, um, in November 2009, we were set free from uh, believing in the wrong gospel. Now, that totally changed our whole lives, me and my wife. I mean, I was working at that company and I was so depressed working at that company. I mean, I, I could feel like a physical depression sitting in my chest. Okay? Then when we heard the right gospel, that set us free. Now, that depression left me like overnight. It was just gone. Now, um, we were believing the wrong gospel. We were totally sucked into working for God, working very hard for God. I mean, and this gospel just lifted all of that off from us. And I mean, I was able to function better just in living. I was able to function better at work. But th there's a long history of stuff that happened at the place that I work at. The, the, the guy who's, who's in control of that company doesn't like it if, if you disagree with him about anything. Okay, so if you disagree with anything really, he likes it when you just say, yes, I'll do that. So uh, we've had some disagreements in the past which have sort of disqualified me for any sort of promotion, you know. Um, and the, my boss is retiring at the end of July. So I knew the chances that I would get his job is like very slim, you know. So I started looking for other jobs, but I just could not find a job. You know, and I said to the Lord, why can't I get a job? Normally, if I, well, I've only had three jobs so far in my career, but um, no, normally when I look for another job, it's fairly quick for me to get another job. And I just could not get a job. And I said, we don't want to leave Cape Town. We enjoy living in Cape Town. I don't, I don't want to move back up to Joburg. We moved down from Johannesburg nine years ago, and I mean, this is like heaven living in Cape Town. <laughs> so I said, no, we don't want to move back to Johannesburg. But then eventually I got to the point where I said, okay, now I'm at a point where I'll, I'll move back up to, to Johannesburg. Then, um, you know, and I said to Bertie, this is, what hap this is what's happening at work, and I'm looking for another job, and blah, blah, blah. And he said, you know, in all of that, you just stay in the rest of the Lord. Okay, so um, to make a long story short, they put up the notice to advertise my boss's job and I said I'm not even applying for this job. I refuse to apply for this job because if I apply for this job, there's going to be like a whole list of requirements that they're going to give me to, to come into that job on their, on their terms. terms. That's the word. And I refuse to do that. I'm not going to do that. So I, I didn't apply for that job. And then... 
Um, but, but before that notice went up and I said I'm not applying for this job, we were having dinner the one evening and there was this guy uh, having a short sermon on the radio. And he said, he was talking about Jacob who said to Laban, I'm leaving. You know, I'm taking my wives and I'm leaving your employ. And Laban said, no, don't leave. I'm blessed because you are working here for me. Don't leave me. And then this guy said, he said, in the company where you're working at, uh, people will say to you, don't go. We're blessed because you're working here. We will pay you more to stay here. And I said to my wife, I could just feel like that is what God is saying, that that is what will happen at that company I'm working at. I'm, and I'm going to tell them I'm going to go, and I'm not going to apply for that job. And that's exactly what I did, to the point where the, uh, we report to people in America. The people in America asked me to stay. Okay? And I heard on Friday that I got a job. Okay? And they're going to make an offer me, for, for me to, uh, to accept that job. So, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, 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 I'll put a list out here the, at the end of the service that you can come and complete. Just your name and number here. <laughs> but, um, you know, I said to Bertie in all of this, no one ever fasted. Okay? No one ever fasted. There was no prayer chain going for me to get this job. No, you know, I mean, the, 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 uh, where we were, the church we were in, there would have been fasting now. There would have been SMSs going out, pray for this, and there would have been people praying, the whole prayer chain going, you know. But the thing is, God has already blessed us. Okay, we already have all the blessings of God. There's nothing that we need to do to get a breakthrough. The breakthrough is already ours in life. You know, and we just rest in the work that Jesus has done for us. Even in, in this example of my work, the, what I want to say is, is that God has already given everything to us. Yes. You know, we don't have to work hard to get the blessings of God. We don't have to work hard to get God to smile over us, like yeah, you yeah. say. We just rest in the completed work of Jesus Christ. What I can do is I can say, God, this is what's in my heart. I mean, in this whole process, I had like sleepless nights. Where am I going to get a job? You know, I'm going to be humiliated at work. All sorts of these things were in my head the whole time. I couldn't sleep at nights. And that's why uh, a couple of weeks ago when I preached about peace, I was praying to the Lord. I mean, that was just my heart. You know, you can speak to God about what's in your heart, and He will give you an answer in that that will just bring peace to you in this whole process. It is not about getting what He wants to give to you. It is about you just entering into the rest of God. I mean, that is what we can pray about. Lord, help me to see what Jesus has done so I can enter into your rest. It is not, what do I need to do to get another job? What do I need to do to get a promotion? What do I need to do to be blessed? No, what do I need to see to enter into what you have given for? That's all it is. And that is what I can pray about. You know, I mean, um, I just want to say this. You know, uh, when I was still in that other church, I mean, they knew about the hard times I had at that work. Then periodically, people would come there to pray with me at that workplace. It did not help me a single bit. You know, um, they would come there and they would pray with me. We would like all pray together now in this workplace. Nothing changed because I had to change. What I believed had to change. Because when what you believe changes, everything around you changes. Your situation might still be the same, but everything is different. Because your belief system changes, which means that you change. So you can still be in a place where you are going through a hard time, a difficult time. But because what you believe changes, everything changes. And that is what happened to me. I mean, this pastor of the church I was at, he said to me, there's apparently this verse in Daniel, where it says that Daniel looked at the Ancient of Days and he kept on looking. So he came to me and he said to me, you know what God is saying? He says, 
look and keep on looking. And I'm thinking, what does that help me? You know, what does that mean? Look and keep on looking. But now I know what it means. But if you're in a law-minded gospel, you, know, you can take scripture, scriptures out of his book, give it to someone, and you have no idea what it means. And you can't explain it to someone. Because even if you're a pastor for 20 years and you're stuck in the law message, you don't even know what his book is saying. I mean, he told me, look and keep on looking. If I tell you that and I don't explain what it means, what does that help you? Yeah. Nothing. But now I know what it means. When I look, I see the goodness of God. When I look, I see what Jesus has done for me. When I look at God, I see no condemnation. I see the love of God. I see God working on my behalf. That is what we see when we look at God. But if it's not explained to you, what does it help you? Nothing. So we just enter into the rest of God and we see the breakthroughs that God has already given to us yeah. enter into our lives with us, without us fasting for three weeks to get that done. Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen.